All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to the Make It Plain Wayne podcast, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. So (laughs) now that I got Grogu back, I got to give him away. (laughs) So now forgive me if I miss things. I'm an action and martial arts junkie that you know, just happens to turn 13 whenever I turn on anything Star Wars related, comic book related, DC or Marvel. Um, So please don't hold that against me. I'm an action junkie. I'm a martial arts junkie. I just happen to find my uh, uh, inner nerd and come to love Star Wars. A good friend of mine who to me is like a Mandalorian really uh, forced me to walk all the way back through not just the Clone Wars, but also Rebels. And that is how I came to learn about um, the planet of Mandalore, Bo-Katan, Sabine Wren, and the amazing uh, writing of Dave Filoni. So let me not hold back anything. Jon Favreau, you are a genius. Uh, Dave Filoni, you are a genius. I absolutely love what you gave me. And before coronavirus... I was already deep into your work, watching the things that you made, watching the things that that you were building in this amazing universe. And and I thank you so much because I felt like it just slid right on over. It was like I was on the same chessboard watching uh, this second season of The Mandalorian along with um, Clone Wars and Rebels. So I absolutely, absolutely loved it. The writing was great. And I think the thing I dug so much about coming all the way up to this uh, final season is uh, we didn't need a lightsaber. We didn't need a Jedi. And when you finally did what you what you saw was just so mind blowing. And um, like, here's the note I had. Um, They made us fall in love with a rogue Mandalorian through a mask like. Think about it. COVID-19, everybody's, you know, either wearing a mask or trying to fight wearing a mask. And they made us fall in love with uh, the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal. And my first time seeing Pedro Pascal was actually in um, Game of Thrones, the Sand Tiger or Sand Viper. So I was like, wow, this guy's got good presence. He's really cold blooded dude. And now he's the Mandalorian. And of course, he has many other things that he's done. But I'm like, wow, what a great actor, great acting. His voice really picked up through the mask and however they recorded it, like it was just dope. You know, it was like the Mandalorian, Darth Vader, uh, Kylo Ren. You either have like the Bane character from, uh, you know, Batman, like these voices really stick with you. So (sighs) Grogu, so cute. So powerful. So many questions. We've only seen maybe two other of the species that Yoda and I can't remember her name, um, but Yoda, the other young lady that is of that species and now Grogu. We've only seen their species a few times. So, I mean, how did he stay alive during uh, uh, Order 66? How did he, uh, who stashed him, who hid him? Where has he been? Did I completely bypass that? Did I miss that? 
Um, did I just get so excited when I saw how cute this little guy was that I deleted all my details? Um, so yeah, I'll be going back and watching those probably, um, you know, over again, maybe my wife will want to watch it. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been talking her into it steadily. Um, but yeah, so many questions and I don't mind these questions. I love these questions because the real diehard fans will sit down and talk to you and really open up and explain this world. Um, because I, I look at this Star Wars world as a completely different world now that I'm a little bit older. Um, I look at it as a martial artist. I look at it as an action junkie. Um, I look at it as a father. I look at it as a brother. I look at it as a son. I'm, I'm watching now in my life. I've had the opportunity to see multiple presidents take power over the country and work with their Congress to get things done. And, and the, the pathways of power and politics are not as easy as Jedi and Sith, are they? And this, this show really helped me see that, especially now that, you know, you've got this power vacuum where now that the, uh, you know, Imperial fleet and all of their power are gone, um, who's the real Slim Shady? You know, who's the real Slim Shady? Who's standing up? So... Do we need all those questions answered? No, not necessarily. But I love being able to ask you all those questions. I love being able to take the time to dialogue and, you know, talk to. I don't know what you call fans of Star Wars because you can't call them a Trekkie. Like, that's why I'll just call people a Mandalorian or call people a Jedi or whatever you want to be called of that universe. Um. Moff Gideon, not only was he well cast, um, he shows that the directors, creators, um, and whomever was in charge of that casting was paying attention. Um, I've been watching, um, uh, I can't say his name, Gesipi. Uh, Gustavo Frank, Giancarlo Esposito. I've been watching Giancarlo Esposito um, for years. Um, like even as a kid watching movies like Do the Right Thing or Fresh, where I first saw him as like a drug lord. All the way down to, you know, Breaking Bad, Gus Frank. I'm like, God, this guy is terrifying. And then I think he was in this show called Revolution. Um, but he just has such a great presence. He does such an amazing job. And then, you know, Pollos Hermanos, you know, he's like this, this split, uh, a dual personality drug lord that runs this corporation of, of fried chicken. <laughs> so, you know, seeing Gus Fring ultimately come into this universe and being able to wield the dark saber. I mean, first of all, like. How did he steal it from Bo-Katan? But as a classic line that he says while talking to um, the Mandalorian, he's in the ship and he's got uh, Grogu, you know, he's got the blade up to his neck from what I remember. And he's saying, assume I know everything. Now, here's this, here's the thing, like, which is hard. As many times as I've watched the rebel forces fight the uh, Imperials, and, and, and fight the empire, they know so much. Their resources expand so far. They've got feet and grounds and intel and, and 
spies everywhere, ultimately to the point where I went and watched even um, episode seven, you know, The Force Awakens. I'm like, man, like they still got spies and stuff out there. So Moff Gideon, I appreciate them uh, recruiting Giancarlo Esposito for this role because that classic role, assume uh, that, that, that phrase he said, assume I know everything. It's like, wow. And then we get a smiling Gus Fring. Like he never smiled in character um, unless he was, you know, at Poyos Hermanos. But assume I know everything. He starts spitting hot knowledge about the Darksaber, especially when uh, Din Djarin tries to give <laughs> the Darksaber to Bo-Katan. And now here's a beautiful thing, especially those of you that know about Darth Maul. You know what Darth Maul put Mandalore through with that dark saber. You know what he put them through. And I mean, Mandalore in essence is like that. Uh, it's it's kind of like Egypt where it had all this greatness. It ha had all this power and this um, um, technology. But, you know, people ran through and took it over and it was corrupted. And, you know, then that was that. It was just the tale of Mandalore, the tale of what we call uh, Egypt or Kemet and him telling him that was probably the most sobering part of, uh, uh, that discussion in the dark saber, knowing that Din Djarin and Bo-Katan will have to battle for that sword. I don't know who will win. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know I shouldn't say I don't know, but I do know she wants that sword. I do know that she wants to unite Mandalore. I do know that she wants to unite all those tribes. The question is, are you going to fight the Mandalorian to the death or like what? How, how do you fight for it? Because um, he doesn't want it. There lie in the problem. He doesn't want it. And you have to fight to the death for it, to, to, from what I remember. Fight to the death or yield. You can't just give it away. It has to be beat out of you, pretty much. So, oh my God. The other question I had, um, which was, what year is it? You know? So, um, uh, Boba Fett and Luke really helped me answer this question. Um, because obviously you get to the end and you can clearly see that, uh, you know, Luke shows up looking post, um, post my dad has just died. Vader has just died and Boba looks older. Like he looks visibly older, um, not a young man. So these guys have, you know, they've spent some time out on, you know, their own doing some things. And Luke is a little bit older. Boba's a little bit older. And so I'm like, okay, now I know where we're at. We're, we're maybe a couple years after, you know what I'm saying? We're a couple years after Darth Vader has died. They've had the bonfire, the Ewoks have danced, all that good stuff. And now they've edited it so you can see the Force Anakin, the Force Obi-Wan, and the Force Yoda, um, you know, in the background. Um, what is Ahsoka Tano doing right now? Okay. 
that whole rebel show really messed me up because the second I saw Darth Vader, I'm like, oh, snap. This is showing him in between episode three all the way up to um, A New Hope to where he finally gets to fight Obi-Wan Kenobi. And at this point, God, like you got to think what maybe 20, 30 years have passed. So he's been Darth Vader for a long time by this time, because he's, I'd say, maybe 25 when he becomes Darth Vader. And I mean, he's maybe 55, you know, maybe even 60. Like, I don't know if Sith have retirement plans, but like he's, you know, about at that Dooku point in his life as a Sith, you know. So that means easy, like 30, 30 years have passed. You know, Obi-Wan is he's got a gray. He's all gray. But he was his mentor, so he should be a little bit older. He was his his uh, Jedi master. Um, but yeah, what's Ahsoka Tano doing now? She's a woman. You know, she's not that girl that was kicked out of the Jedi Council. She's a grown woman. That's why I love that they had Rosario Dawson playing her. She's a grown woman, grown woman energy. And um, she's not a Jedi. <laughs> And uh, I I thought, and this is where they surprised me with that last episode. I absolutely loved it. But I thought she was going to come in and be the hero. I didn't think we'd see Luke at all. I, I, I lost my mind. I'm watching it at six in the morning. I absolutely lost my mind when I see Luke blazing through. Because I'm like a green lightsaber. And from what I've been taught. The green lightsabers are for people that have strong force powers. The blue lightsabers are for people that can fight really well and throw down. So I'm like, green. I'm like, who has a green? Oh, I see the glove. I see the power glove. I see the leather glove. Ice and toners. So, um, yes, seeing uh, Luke sweep in and save the day where I thought it would have been Ahsoka Tano um, was uh, like... If you can't put a bigger exclamation point to the end of this show for this season than that, I don't know what will. This is why I go back to it. Favreau, Filoni, you are geniuses. You successfully put back together what a lot of fans feel like was torn down. But even in that, I actually feel like it does all run together. And I know I might get ran through the chest with a, a lightsaber for that saying that. But now I do feel like a lot of it does run together. I just wouldn't have written Luke to end the way he did in, in the very, very last film. Um, absolutely love seeing the, the, the features of the Beskar armor. Um, like my good friend that is, to me, a Mandalorian. He loves Mandalorians. He loves the Mandalorians more than he loves the Jedi. And seeing that that Beskar armor, especially that, that spear, the Beskar armor and the Beskar spear can handle the saber was amazing. And seeing that the Beskar armor uh, could actually still withstand the dark saber is even crazier. Um, now it was having problems. I think we saw that the, the dark saber was even uh, sharper or had more concentrated energy um, that could maybe even cut through the dark saber. So that Beskar, the, the Beskar armor, alone is something that I'm like, give me a, a, a suit or a vest of that. 
like alone. I don't need people to see it. I'd wear it underneath my clothes and make it into small platelets so that people can't cut through it. Um, where's Ezra? Okay. Where's Ezra? Like for real. Where's Ezra? The fact that Luke is a Jedi and has shown up means that Darth Vader is dead. In the time of Darth Vader, Ezra was. So was, you know, Ahsoka Tano. So Ahsoka Tano being Darth Vader's apprentice, with her being alive and her being a grown woman, that means Ezra should be a little bit older now, too. Now that we're past Darth Vader. So that's my question. Where is Ezra? And I mean, for those of you that don't know, boy, enjoy your Christmas break because you need to watch the Clone Wars and you need to watch Rebels. But finding out where Ezra is now, it shows me that we have not just four force users out there um, when I thought there were none. So in um, uh, The Force Awakens and uh, Rise of Skywalker and The Last Jedi, um, in those movies, we're led to believe that um, Luke Skywalker and Rey are the only two Jedi, which now we know is not true. So Ezra's out there somewhere. Grogu's out there somewhere. And I don't know if they wrote it the right way you would have another solo out there. So there's maybe about four or five Jedi out there, not to mention maybe Maze Windu is still alive. Maybe there's a lot of them still alive, just hiding somewhere off world, like trying their best to not show their abilities. Maybe they're just, I don't know, farming, being moisture farmers or something so in a way that they don't expose their abilities, maybe living in a swamp somewhere. So I don't know. You know, I don't know where Ezra is. I mean, is he still caught up in that weird behind the, the curtain of Wizard of Oz type, you know, dimension where he can look and see these different things? I don't know, you know, because when he hit that hyperdrive with those hyperdrive whales with General Thrawn, we just assume he's nowhere to be found. Um, so, yeah, where is Ezra? Um, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan is a favorite character of mine. Um, she does have a little bit of Thanos energy. I feel like mm, she's like a few steps away from being a Sith. Just, just her willingness to do whatever it takes to get the throne back. But I understand, like, I feel you. Like we've seen thousands of men do this in many movies, in many thrones, in many kingdoms. We've seen men do this all the time. And I had a friend of mine who looks like Bo-Katan tell me, dude, I think she's a bad guy. I'm like, well, how do you mean? Like, I'm just assuming because she's a woman, she's beautiful and she has red hair that she's a good person. Well, look at what she's going to do to get that blade back, to get back to Moff Gideon. I mean, she's trash talking and, and God, this hurt my heart so bad. She basically when it all comes down to it, funnels Boba Fett down to just a clone. When she just wanted to, to minimize him down to just being a clone, she's like, I know your voice. I've heard your voice many times, clone. I'm like, dude, for real? 
that's how you want to break my man down? You just call him a clone? So none of his success, none of what we fear from Boba Fett means anything to you. You just, he's just a clone to you. Oh, that hurt me so bad. So for me, Bo-Katan does have some of that Thanos energy where she can just talk the way she wants to talk because she knows who she is. You know, unlike most of the people that we've seen on the show, they're trying to rise up. They're trying to be somebody. They're trying to go somewhere, trying to wake up and pay attention. It's like the song. So they're trying to become something. Whereas Bo-Katan knows exactly who she is. Look at her uh, uh, helmet. No one has anything that 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 sigil and that no one has that so yeah in many ways Bo-Katan does have that Thanos energy she's dope she's awesome and if you've seen Rebels you know she does hold that saber and I I don't know how Sabine Wren gave it to her I can't remember but I have to go back for that um the Din Djarin backstory I remember watching it in the beginning but I'll have to go back because he really was a foundling, like he really did cement himself as one of the characters that we will never forget in this expanded universe. So how he who he was, how he was rescued and how he came to be feared and known everywhere, like just so dope. His whole climb, it's kind of like in Scarface, like you're just watching Tony Montana, just this lower level dude. But because he chooses this way, this is the way we get to see him on this pathway where it's it's almost like watching somebody go from the NBA draft to being a Super Bowl uh, champion or, you know, from from, you know, graduating college and, and losing and uh, uh, maybe the first round of the, the March Madness to being a, a Hall of Fame point guard and and two time, three time NBA champion. You know, we got to watch his whole rise up which I thought was was super dope. Um, and then my last few notes, um, I really, really, really wanted to see Moff Gideon become a Sith. Like I really did. I thought I was going to see a red lightsaber. I thought I was going to see the cackle of lightning come out of his hands. Um, it's not too late. I feel like he might push. I feel like he was, I feel like he was uh, uh, obsessed a little bit. I saw the chest plate. I saw the Vader-esque type things. I really feel like he wanted to get up in that. And, and maybe he's the reason why later down the road, people, you know, are doing what they're doing with force powers and trying to manipulate them and, you know, do the whole, you know, thing that we kind of see in like the Marvel comics with the winter soldier program, where you got not one, not two, but 33 winter soldiers on ice. Um, where are the Jedi? I already asked that question. So maybe we don't know where the Jedi are. Maybe we do. Maybe they're all gone. But now at this point, I believe that, you know, if we sum it up after Order 66, you've got um, Luke, you've got Rey, you've got Ahsoka Tano, you've got Grogu, you've got if they did did it right, you'd have another um, Kylo Ren's twin brother or twin sister. And then you would have uh, Maze Windu out there with just no hand. So and nobody has a right hand. And <laughs> if you're good, you don't have a right hand for some reason. Um, so, yeah, where where are these dudes at, man? Like, where are they at? You know. I mean, it is embarrassing. 
this my good friend also pointed out to me, you know, you've got to be kind of embarrassed to know that you were this elite uh, uh, Jedi council and you didn't see how one Sith with political power set it up to completely wipe you out. Not with a whole fleet full of Jedi, a whole fleet full of stormtroopers and political movements and clones with the microchip embedded in their brain. They didn't see that coming. They didn't sense it at all. Even though some of those clones were their best friends. Watch the Clone Wars, you all. Some of those clones were their best friends. They bonded together. They were like family. And with Order 66, it triggered something in that microchip that caused their brain to say, kill the Jedi. So it's just stuff like that. You know, there's just so much deep history and deep story in there where it's like, you got to take some time and read this. You got to take some time, if not the expanded universe and read the books, um, watch Clone Wars and, and catch up to these stories. Um, then my last note, I'm like, where is Luke? Where'd he come from? So when when Grogu was on the temple meditating and the force beam is, is heavy on him, where is that beaming out to? And how many Jedi heard this and saw this? Because now, because of Ahsoka Tano, I know not everybody has to be a Jedi that has force powers. Now that's a little dangerous. And then in, in the very end of uh, uh, Return of the Skywalker, we see the kid sweeping up with a broom that has force powers. So not everybody that has force powers is necessarily Sith or Jedi. It's kind of dangerous. So who felt that call from Grogu? Who, who all felt that? So I don't know. These were just some things in my mind. I absolutely loved the show. I had such a great time watching it. Um, my hat is tipped off once again to not just Filoni, but John Favreau for really getting the ball running and being able to pass the baton to Filoni at, at random times and, and not for us to not need a lightsaber, you know, we, of course we got the dark saber, but I love the show. It was great. It was a, as my buddy says, um, it was a Western told in outer space. And, you know, I can't wait for more. I can't wait for the, the saga of Boba Fett and whatever they throw at us this, this next couple of years. So thank you so much, Mandalorian team, Mandalorian crew, I know you all that watched and loved the show will continue to watch it. Maybe go back and watch the other Disney uh, uh, products on Disney Plus um, because they're just they're so dope. And now everybody's story means so much more uh, to me. <laughs> and I even saw a meme. They were like it was showing how J.J. Abrams was like, there's no way we can add the old world and the new world together. There's no continuity, this, that, and the other. And it was a picture of John Favreau below saying, hold my beer. <laughs> so, all right, you all, I love you all. Hope you love me back. You know, please like, love, and share all these posts. Um, yes, we are going into the holiday season and I couldn't be happier. Um, we've got a lot to be uh, thankful for. If you're still able to Speak out and reach out to your family and love them and tell them you love them. Um, but if you are going through those tough times, my heart goes out to you um, because we really do need to be together on all of this. Um, and I just mean that in a general sense. Just keep loving each other. Let's keep working for the best. Let's be healthy. Let's be safe. 
And um, yeah, this is the way.